Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast, Season 3. I'm Rob Shear, the founder of Comfort Cases and your host. Together, we have made such a difference in the world. We've met with leaders and change makers in the foster care system. We've met with charities and philanthropists, celebrities, authors, and so much more. We'll continue to bring you guests who will share how together, as a community, we can bring about change. Welcome once again to Fostering Change. You know, there is nothing more exciting than when you have your friends on your podcast. You know, I was very, very lucky to be able to have Rita, my next guest, on our podcast before. And what an amazing conversation. You know, and I kept saying to David, my producer, um, we have to have her back on. You know, Rita Sornan is the president and CEO of the Dave Thomas Foundation. Um, I do consider her a friend. I know that if there's something I need to ask or something that I don't understand, you know, I can reach out to Rita. And also, you know, I've said this before, they are a huge supporter of nonprofits and they actually support comfort cases. So without any further, you know, me talking anymore, because you know, I can always talk. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you know, it's good to have my friend Rita back on. Rita, how are you doing? Oh, you are so kind. You are my friend, believe me. And I know I could turn to you for anything. I'm doing great. Thank you. And it's great to be back with you. I would do this every day if we could. Oh, I love that. You know, I want to dive right in because one of the things that I've been getting asked quite a bit, and I think I would love to have your perspective for our listeners and viewers is, you know, why are kids entering foster care? You know, I, you know, I know that we hear these two words, neglect to abuse, but I think that there's more to it than that. And I really would like to dive into that immediately and, and answer that because that was a question that one of my viewers reached out to me. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And there's so many complexities to this conversation. Look, first of all, they're there through no fault of their own. We know through research, and we just finished some research, we do a national scan of Americans' attitudes toward adoption. And unfortunately, a majority of Americans still believe Children are in care because they've done something wrong, because they're juvenile delinquents, because they, you know, they're, they're bad kids. Nothing could be further from the truth. Children go into foster care because, right, they've been abused, they've been neglected, the family can't adequately care for them, and their safety is at risk. And so the state has an obligation, a legal obligation, to step in and say, what can we do to make sure this child is safe? And believe me, the first place a child should be is with their family of birth if at all possible. And so the state tries to, um, through the agencies that they work with, public or private agencies, try to, to understand what are the issues that are making this child unsafe. Is it, are there issues of substance abuse in the family that, that may lead to neglect? Are there issues of poverty that we could simply solve, not solve, but we could assist with, with some wraparound services? Is it actual physical or sexual abuse that, 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 that harms the child in significant ways? What is it? So there's that discovery period. And then there's that period with the best of agencies when they work to try and get that child back home. But sometimes children have to stay in care. And sometimes that process moves to such a point that that family is legally severed from that child. And those are the children who are waiting to be adopted in foster care. 
So Rita, you know, one of the things that I have always worried about is that I feel that the process takes way too long. I feel that, you know, when a child comes into the system and, and understanding, you know, as a dad who's adopted five children out of the system, you know, they come in for all different reasons. And I love the fact that you made the comment and said, you know, we have to remember that th these aren't bad kids. It's one of the reasons why at Comfort Cases, you know, and for myself as a public speaker is I try not to call them foster children. I try to make sure to call them children who are experiencing foster care because I've learned that if you say the word children first, your heart gets a little warm. But if you say the word foster first, you immediately think delinquent, bad. What did they do to get themselves in there? So, but, but, you know, back to the thing about the, it taking way too long. I met a young boy um, not long ago and he'd been in foster care for three years and he'd been 11 homes. And it absolutely broke my heart. And the thing that really bothered me is that this young boy who came in at the age of 10, he's now 13 years old. His parents' rights still have not been severed. So he keeps going through that reunification adoption, reunification adoption. And it's this back and forth. Do you not feel that we as a society owe our children better than that? Where we have to give parents an opportunity. And by the way, we all fall. Every one of us have fallen in our life, but we have to give them an opportunity to step up. But if they don't step up, children shouldn't be a pawn. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Look, it's it's a thin line between assuring parental rights and we've done everything that we can to get this child back home and creating more trauma for a child. It, it breaks my heart as well. A, a child who's in care for three years. First of all, that's three years of a childhood lost but multiple moves that a child would move 11 times. I think, I think the adults in the system forget to put themselves in a child's position and remember what it was like to just be separated from family for a minute, much less not knowing what the circumstance is. I've been ripped from my family for whatever reason, no matter what brought me into care, that's where I, I identify. And so to continue to add layer upon layer of trauma with multiple moves, with extended timelines, in foster care with an unknown about am I going home or am I going to be placed for adoption? It's scandalous. It's not the way the system was intended to work. Unfortunately, there are those, those clogs along the way, whether it's um, delayed hearings and so a child's life gets delayed for another six months, or it is a reunification attempt that fails again. And so the child goes back into foster care when their hopes of being home with their family um, were fortified first at being moved back with their family and then now being dashed as they get back into care. And so sometimes those children understandably began to have mental health issues, acting out behaviors, um, anger, grief, loss, all of those complex human emotions that we as adults have foisted on this child. They didn't choose to be in this circumstance. They didn't choose to have these kinds of issues related to trauma. And so our job is to as quickly and as efficiently get this child into permanence, whether that's home or into an adoptive uh, home, home, biological home or an adoptive home, that we stretch those timelines, take advantage of loopholes, put up with delayed hearings, whatever it is, is simply not acceptable.
Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I I tell you, I've been through it with my kids. We just celebrated a 10-year um, adoption signing of two of my boys. And it was sad how many years it took us to adopt them because of the loopholes, because of the delayed hearings, because of, you know, one, one you know, for six months, there's no bio parents. And all of a sudden they show up for one visit and it's like, okay, we need to change this and, you know, the fact is, is uh, how many kids right now are we actually seeing in foster care that, by the way, have their parental rights severed um, and are sitting there waiting for a forever family? So right now, according to the last federal numbers that were issued, and these were issued, I believe, in November of 2021. So there's a time lag here. But the last federal numbers that were released, 117,000 children for whom parental rights have been terminated. Now we've got other children that are in sort of different statuses. We have some children who are in a sort of long-term foster care status. They're not going home. They've not been freed for adoption. Their likelihood is they'll age out of care without knowing which family is there. So that's another, you know, up to 20,000 children in any given year. And then we have children that are dancing between those waiting for, you know, some kind of permanent status that then the system can move forward. So that 117,000 number are those who have been freed for adoption. Option, but there are a lot of others that, that are dancing around that, that probably will age out of foster care without a family. You know, that just, I, I was that kid, so I gauged out, no family, you know, with my son, Alex, who came to us at 18, if we hadn't taken him, he would have had the same yep. aged out. And, you know, it's, it's almost, you know, the thing that always gets me is that, you know, these these kids are in a system because of a choice someone else made. We didn't get them to that age out point and then we just are like toss them to the side and let's, you know, see what they can do. You know, one of the things that that I, I don't understand are those children that you made the comment on that are actually just in limbo. Explain to our viewers and in our listeners why a child actually would stay in limbo over a long period of time. So there is a legal status and it's called different things in different states, but essentially it's called another planned permanent living arrangement. So it's children who have some, the court has determined there's some kind of connection that needs to maintain legal connection between this child and their birth family. So we're not going to legally separate. Having said that, they can't go home because it's not safe to go home. So they end up in this long-term foster care status, still legally connected to their family and hopefully seeing them or having some connection, frequently not though, and yet they're in foster care and will turn 18, if they turn 18 in foster care, will age out of foster care. So it's just this horrible status. Now, federal law has sought to reduce that status um, and, and say that a judge can't put a child in an, another planned permanent living arrangement unless they're of a certain age. But there's, again, there's always loopholes in this. And so unfortunately, right, we put children in these, in these kind of situations um, where they don't know what their, their future looks like. And the system doesn't necessarily have the capacity to advocate stronger or chooses not to advocate stronger and say to a judge, look, this child has not been with family for four years. We can't continue this another planned permanent living arrangement status, we have to move toward termination of parental rights. And so that doesn't happen as often as it should as either. 
Yeah, you know, one of the things that you said in the very beginning is about how we we really need children to stay with their families, and 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 I'm a true component of that. I feel that you know, with, before a child is yanked out of a home, again, unless there is abuse or sexual abuse, but you know, that word neglect is so great to me. I I've seen it used throughout the country in different states, and 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 for me, I I truly believe the word neglect should be neglect poverty because um, we see so much of that. I know that there's a, a particular, um, you know, someone that you guys are working with in Ohio, where they're looking at doing genetic, you know, DNA connecting with family members. Because, you know, I, I will tell you that when I became, when I was a young adult, a family member I had finally connected with found out that I had been in foster care. They didn't even know. And they were just like, we would have never allowed you to stay there. We would have never let you be homeless. We would have been in there wrapping our arms around you. And 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 I have a relationship with them for this day. Do you think that we as a society, and especially our court systems and our child welfare, we're not doing enough to connect with biological family members? Yeah, and there are multiple platforms out there. Certainly the first that really, um, I think, ignited the system in a good way was that family finding project. Let's at least search for extended family members and make sure that we have done exactly what you talked about, made connections for this child. If they can't go home to their biological parents, there are certainly extended family members, if they knew, would would come and, and, and provide a home for that child. We work with Connect Our Kids that does that same thing. It's a technology platform that does those kind of searches. There's others. LexisNexis, all kinds of ways to begin that search for extended family members. And it may be that there aren't any that can step forward and help, but at least it provides this connection, this, this biological link for a child that they can perhaps be a part of their life if they can't step forward and either foster or adopt this child. Absolutely. We need to make sure, look, we're all homing pigeons at heart. I think I've said this before. It's where we want to go. It's where we identify, no matter what the circumstances are. And so for us to deny that of a child, if, if we haven't been intentional about looking for extended family members to engage with them, then, then we've been denying that, that very essence of, of who a human is, which is identity with, with how they were born, where they were raised, the community that they came from. It doesn't mean it's always safe. It doesn't mean it's always the answer. But if we're not making that attempt, then we're failing them. So, you know, Rita, to explain to our listeners and our viewers exactly what does the Dave Thomas Foundation, who do you serve? Yeah, yeah, we're we're a one trick pony. Um, we we have a very narrow mission, and that's to dramatically increase the adoptions of children from North America's foster care systems. So we do that in a couple of ways. First, by raising awareness that 117,000 children are in the United States waiting to be adopted in foster care, that 30,000 children in Canada are in that same position, that um, you can step in, you can be a part of this process. So helping, I think, the public understand what is the process, what is the system, who are these children, reducing the myths and misperceptions that surround them and create barriers to permanency for these children. And then we're a grant-making organization. So we support organizations, both national organizations and local organizations. A lot of it goes toward one of our signature programs the Wendy's Wonderful Kids program that's a specific model of how we address those children and youth 
most at risk of aging out of care, but we also make grants to other organizations, national organizations like um, uh, the North American Council on Adoptable Children or the National Council for Adoption, other strong partners in this business that also do other tactics, advocacy, research, um, education, the kinds of information that needs to make, that, that helps to make foster care adoption a common conversation in this country and not one that's fraught with uh, the unknown or fear. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's a lot to do with it where, you know, the support that, you know, families need. And I think that what I have noticed is that we don't talk enough about these kids. You know, instead we hear the bad and we're not hearing the beauty, which by the way, um, I've met a lot of them. I've, you know, I couldn't imagine, you know, I, it saddens my heart. You know, Rita, I'm going to tell you something that I have not shared with very few people, but I have a son who was adopted through foster care and came with the trauma that we all talk about. And for no reason of my husband and I, the county has felt that my, my son um, is not with us right now. And so my son has floundered within what they call the foster care system. He's in a psychiatric institute. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I, I feel like we need to really shed the light on the fact that the system is truly shattered. And that we really need to do something to make sure that we have permanency for these children. So I keep looking at the fact that here's a child that has two loving parents that, you know, we don't have any bad background. We just have a child who's who's mentally ill and, you know, where we could be focusing on other things. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I really want to talk about the fact that you have placed 11,000 children in permanency, you know, and I think about my children who were placed with us for permanency, including my son, Grayson, you know, how does that make you feel knowing that 11,000 kids are waking up with their forever family? Well, that's what we're all about, you know, and, and, and when we first started in 1992, it was really much more just about awareness, but we realized at a certain point, we had to do more than that. We had to figure out where were the gaps in the system? Where was the system broken and where could we step in with resources and, and, and with, with uh, support and education, where could we step in and perhaps make a difference? So this evolution of the Wendy's Wonderful Kids program and that movement on a state-by-state basis to really focus on, again, those children with those kinds of special needs, children who are in sibling groups, teenagers, you know, as soon as you say the word teenager, everybody's face screws up, right? We're not real fond of teenagers to begin with, much less a teenager that's been in foster care for five years. So those children who are most at risk of aging out of care, that focus group of children that have every every right to a family but are denied it day after day after day 20,000 times a year in this country that's where we decided to step in around 2004 and try and make a difference see if see if we could have add some value to the system if not we'd figure something else out we've been really excited that the Wendy's Wonderful Kids program in fact as of today as I look at my numbers I think we're at 11,941 we're almost at 12,000 children that find permanency and some of that's reunification with parents, some of it's guardianship, at least it's legal guardianship. So there is permanency there, but the vast majority is legal adoption. Yeah, every single child deserves a foundation. They all deserve a foundation. Listen, we're going to take a quick break. Um, everyone, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I get so excited when I get to talk to my friend Rita. But you know what? The one thing that my family does is um, we actually support Wendy. And we, that means we go in, we buy the Frosties, we leave the chain. It is like, 
it is truly helping your community. And again, as I say this all the time, your community is not your zip code, it's our human race. And knowing that there's this many children who deserve to have a forever family, um, I just love what the Dave Thomas Foundation is doing. And but with that, we'll be right back. So, you know, everybody, I talk about this quite often, um, seeing the expansion that we have at Comfort Cases and to now know that we have a Comfort Cases UK team, I could not be more grateful. But what I'm so excited about is that on May the 24th, my family will be boarding a plane and heading to the UK for a really big event. So I have my friend Sarah, who is actually also the CEO and the founder of Comfort Cases UK right here with me today. So Sarah, tell us about what's going on when I get there. Oh my gosh, we are so excited to have you come to the UK. I cannot tell you, we are just so looking forward to meeting you and all your family. And we have got a huge event taking place on the 26th of May. Um, we are introducing Comfort Cases to our community, to our network, and we are so excited to invite you to talk as our keynote speaker. Um, and we will be doing some fundraising on the evening, but most importantly is to spread the message of how important the work that Comfort Cases UK is trying to do and to continue all the good work that you've already been doing over there in the US. And uh, things are happening really fast here and we just cannot wait for you to share it with us. Well, I will tell you, I'm really, really excited. So listen, everybody, for those who are listening to our podcast or actually you're watching it on YouTube, I want you all to do me one big favor. I want you to go to comfortcasesuk.org and donate. That's exactly right. What you would have donated to Comfort Cases, you know, here, I want you to go donate to comfortcasesuk.org. We truly need to make people understand whether there's a pond that is separating us, we are all one community. So Sarah, I'm excited to come to the UK, sending lots of love and please comfortcasesuk.org. So I am absolutely excited to finish this second part of, and actually I don't even want to finish the conversation because I could actually talk with Rita all day, every day. It, she just, Rita, I'm going to tell you, 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 every single time I speak with you, you actually educate me. And I absolutely love that. Yeah. And I know that you're educating our listeners and our viewers. And the fact that you for 30 years, um, this foundation has been, been, you know, moving the needle when it comes to permanency. How does that feel? I mean, um, 30 years, 30 years. It's amazing. Look, we honor Dave Thomas every day here. Um, he had the vision. He had the vision as a corporate CEO to say, we have to do more. And he had the personal connection. He was adopted, but in 1992, created the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption to do exactly what we're doing today. My only regret is when I started 20 years ago, he was pretty ill and he passed away, um, you know, within the year after I started. I didn't have a lot of time with him. Um, so I hope every day that when we talk about 12,000 children or the expansion of a program or release some research, I hope, I hope, I hope that we're doing it in a way that Dave Thomas would have um, appreciated, would have wanted and would have celebrated. So um, 30 years is, is amazing. We're, we're delighted to celebrate it, but we know we've got a long way to go. We've still got work to do when 117,000 children continue to wait. So uh, we'll celebrate for about a minute and then it's back to business. Yeah, you know, back to business, you know, Comfort Cases, this is our 10th year. It's a big mm -hmm. celebration for us. We've um, delivered over 165,000 cases um, to all 50 states, D.C., Puerto Rico, and we're actually expanding into Canada and have expanded <laughs> 
UK. You know, I met a woman um, roughly 14 years ago, and her name is Barbara Harrison. And I don't know if you know Barbara, but Barbara was the actual original person who actually created what they called Wednesday's Child. And every Wednesday, um, I grew up in, in the D.C. area, and Barbara would come on to NBC4, and she would talk on Wednesdays about a child who was looking for a forever family. And, you know, I grew up watching Barbara do this, and then, you know, when I became an adult and decided to open up our when our home to adopting immediately it was Barbara who I was sitting on the couch with my husband and we were watching a Saturday morning having our coffee and there's Barbara with a Wednesday's child and you know just the love that she showed children through all the years it was almost 30 years by the way that she was doing Wednesday's child well, I fast forward and um, we start comfort cases. And immediately I realized that, you know what, people, um, there are some amazing Barbara Harrisons in this country. And there are amazing people that need to be recognized. And so for us, when we have our, you know, celebration each year, the one thing that we do is we give out an award called the Barbara Harrison Award. And we are very, very lucky that Barbara actually comes to our events. She's a huge supporter of Comfort Cases. She's a big supporter of my children. She's been to every one of our adoptions. And so it's only fitting that, you know, we give the Barbara Harrison Award. It's a award that we take very seriously, Rita. And um, I just want to say that it was a unanimous vote from my board. But this year, we are actually presenting you the Barbara Harrison it, you are stop it. No, there are so many people out there that no, do such no. good work. And I do, I do know Barbara. The, there was an intersection at a point in time when the Freddie Mac Foundation was closing and Freddie Mac had supported this. We took over for a little bit the Wednesday's Child Program and worked in DC. It just didn't fit with our tactics at the time, and we couldn't keep the, the funds flowing for it in the way that we needed to. But you're right, she is an amazing soul. She has single-handedly, before anybody else was talking about foster care adoption, elevated that conversation in a way that made the public recognize that these children needed attention paid. So um, I couldn't be more honored and stopped. This is, there are, there are oh, so hundreds of people I could think of that deserve this. Let me tell you something. Um, on October the 8th of 2022, which by the way, is the exact day of our 10 year anniversary. Oh. Um, we are honored if you um, have free your calendar, come to our, to, to the DC area. Barbara knows about you receiving this award. Um, she is one of the people that helps us choose who's going to receive it. And she was absolutely thrilled when she knew that you were one of the people being nominated. She is a superstar. I mean, it is, it's so well-deserved. And I could not imagine, you know, anyone else that I would want to stand on that stage with and hand you that award. Because I really think that, you know, you were doing exactly what Dave Thomas wants us to do. You know, first of all, you're starting a conversation, okay? That is something that I think that we just don't do enough. We don't talk about these kids. You know, we're not talking about the 117,000 children who, by the way, you know, I I know what our, our prison system is like. I have brothers and sisters that fell through the wayside and are behind bars. And we know that the children who are in, and I do consider these 19 and 20-year-old children. Yes enter up incarceration, the percentage that have been touched by foster care, I think it's our failure. It is. 
It absolutely is. Look, when we let a child down, we let a community down, we let the nation down. But first and foremost is that child. You know, it's scandalous that that we somehow can cast aside these children who are in foster care and think of them as other children, you know, all those other issues, those other problems. They're not problems. They're not issues. They're children. And they deserve our every attention. This is a globe that's fraught with issues right now and challenges, but we can't sidestep the ones that are right here in front of us who need our help each and every day. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, you know, and the fact is, is, you know, what what Barbara was doing, um, and by the way, it's all about funding. You and I both know that, um, you know, and, and Barbara has stepped away from NBC. She's at that, you know, she like she she said to me two days ago when I was on the phone with her, um, you know, that, you know, she's never going to use the R word. She's never going to retire. But, you know, she's doing some other things. But, um, you know, I think it's the showing children and I, I never, ever want to show a child and, and exploit them. But I do believe that we as humans are visual people. We have to see these children. You know, we need to know about, you know, that Susie loves this or, you know, it's just it, it's it, one of the things Leanne Tui, um, who is just another amazing human, who, by the way, she also received the um, Barbara Harrison Award one year. But she is um, every Friday. She posts a child on her social media platform that needs a forever family. And she's actually, you know, doing pretty well. I think that she told me the other day she's had, you know, 10 adults options out of this one year. And so um, how do you feel about that? Do you feel that we as a society need to see these kids more and not just hear about them? I think not only that, Rob, what we try to do is show families that have come together. Because I think people, um, you know, they, 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 they keep from jumping into the system because they think, well, we couldn't possibly do this as a family. I'm a single parent or I'm, or we're, 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 we're a, we're a same sex couple or I'm older or we you know what, so they, people stop themselves from walking in the door. And so we also take that, that take it one step further and say, let's show families that have come together, the diversity of families that have come together through foster care adoption. So I think it's both. We have to know those children are there and we have to see them as real live thriving children full of potential, we also have to see the success story that you can do this. If this family could do it, oh, maybe I can do it too. So I, I think we, we, we try to do that other end of the spectrum too on our website and show lots of families that have come together. In fact, we'd love to film your family. Well, hey, well, you know, you can always film my family, but you know what? You're exactly right. I just thought about that because I follow all of, you know, everything about the Dave Thomas Foundation on all our social media platforms. Um, and, you know, right now there's a young boy. I want to think I, I, I'm probably going to get his name wrong, but Devin, I think it was Devin. Um, but you guys are showing him with his his new forever family and you like did a follow up, which, by the way, I love that. Oh, Dalton and Dawson. Yeah. And I love when you guys do a follow up and continue to show that, but I never thought about that, you know, because you're exactly right. Um, They see the child, but then they can't figure out, is that fit going to happen? And I'm going to tell you, um, I know my team is going to start sharing left and right your post on that, because I do think that that's really, really important that, you know, families, you know, no matter if they're a single person, no matter if they're same sex, no matter what they need that you know what these kids do actually assimilate into a family and you know 
you know, I, I look at my son, Makai, you know, they told us, are you sure you want this one as if he was a piece of clothing? Because they said, you know, he had so many problems. And he just wrote a letter the other day to his principal stating that the school needed to have a student government. So here's this 15 year old boy who said was never going to amount to anything. Children are resilient. Of they're course. No. Of course. And they're, and they're just like every child is born with every potential. We kick that potential out of them by allowing them to linger in a system, by, by having them move multiple times, by telling them they're no good, essentially, by not getting them into a family. So we do that to them. We ruin their potential. And yet they still thrive through that. The majority of them thrive through that. But we shouldn't put them through that. That's not their job. That's our job. You're exactly right. You're exactly that right. Well, listen, everyone, it was an amazing conversation. I really, really, please, please do me a favor. Please follow the Dave Thomas Foundation. Um, share their post, because the more that we share, the more people will see it, the more maybe a door will open up for one of these children. And that's what we really want to do. I hope that everybody is able to tune in on October the 8th um, at our amazing backyard barbecue where Barbara and Rita get to stand up on stage. Um, how, when's the last time you saw Barbara? It's been a couple, it's been, oh, it's been at least three or four years, at least. Oh my gosh, it's going to be such an amazing time. It's a Saturday afternoon on a beautiful farm. Um, Rita, listen, thank you. Thank you for all the love and support you not only give to my family, to our organization, but to so many people throughout our country. And, you know, every time I said it to you before we started airing this, your name gets brought up and it's just like, I just love the fact that I get to call you my friend. So uh, everything right back at you. Thank you. And I will say to your listeners, please comfort cases go there and support comfort cases as well such good work we're so proud to be partners with you i'm much prouder to be your friend thank you oh, thank you so much listen everybody you can listen to all of us on these platforms of all your podcasts you know go and subscribe on youtube watch this um this amazing episode i cannot wait for it to air and remember each and every one of us have an opportunity to do to do the only thing you have to do is take that first step. Have a great day, everybody. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, comfortcases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange@comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.